This man has done it all, but let me ask him our signature question, revolutionaries. Alex, what's your revolution? What's your revolution, revolution? This, this term that, I'm, that I don't think I brought up, radical responsiveness. Radical responsiveness, which I stole from someone, but I told them I was stealing it from them, and I fell in love with it very quickly. And what does that mean? We live in a time, we live in the time that you have to choose without any question what side you're going to be on, whether you're going to be radically responsive to holding the line in some cases or changing the system that's unjust for, if not ourselves, for our children, our nieces and nephews. Radical responsiveness is how people react in an emergency room. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corcoran. What's good, revolutionaries? Uh, at the airing of this, actually, I always say that at the recording of this podcast, it is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and I just remember growing up as a child, being excited about Thanksgiving because you got all of that good, good soul food. My mom would cook collard greens and ham and turkey, candied yams. My grandmother would make this mac and cheese. Mon Sylvie would make uh, her homemade rolls and these clam fritters, right? Think about that, revolutionaries. Clam fritters. And we were just sitting around the table, and I was young, you know, but I always wanted to be uh, around humor and bring humor to the table, revolutionaries. And so my Aunt Sylvia would just laugh and, and, and cackle at me as I told jokes about my mom and dad and the, 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 the things they did when the lights were out, all, <laughs> all the things, revolutionaries. But we just, got, we just had a good time together as a family. Uh, but as we know that life... Life moves on, and my Aunt Sylvia and Uncle James and my grandmother and my grandfather, they've all passed on, but their lineage is still a part of who I am, revolutionaries. And so as I think about tomorrow uh, and being fortunate that my mother and father are still with me and that I could have uh, my 50th Thanksgiving with them, and that's interesting to say that I've spent 50 Thanksgivings with them that we can celebrate this time together, revolutionaries, that we can be thankful that we can be thankful that we've, we're here. Uh, Steve Harvey said last year, you know, as we were going through this pandemic, make the most of this time because we are still here. And that is what I plan to do. My good friend Lenora Chong, uh, the executive chef at Morrow's, has sent a wonderful dinner to us uh, as well as. So make sure if you're in New Orleans, shout out to her uh, and her son who are doing amazing things. Stop by Morrow's to make sure that you have a great meal. Tell them that Charles Corpus sent you. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful restaurant. But I'm excited to have spend time, break bread, have some sweet potato pie, revolutionaries. That's the thing. I had a, some store-bought sweet potato, sweet potato pie last week, probably blasphemy to my guest today, but it was a store-bought sweet potato pie. But it was so good and reminiscent of this time when you can come together, break bread, eat a little pie, laugh a little bit, 
watch a little football. My Saints play tomorrow night as well. So looking forward to that. And hopefully that you are giving thanks, revolutionaries, for where you are, where you've been, and giving thanks to where you are going. As I always say at this time of the year, you should be finishing your revolution. You should be coming to a close. And asking yourself, what is the next revolution of your life? What is the next evolution that will lead to the revolution of your life where you can be the best version of yourself? And revolution, as I, as a, before I introduce my guest, I just want to say, you know, one of my friends asked me, do you get to the best version of your life? And I said, no. I said, I don't think you ever get to the best version of your life. I think you get to better versions of your life along the journey to get to the best version of yourself. Because I feel like if you get to the best version of yourself, there's no more work to do. And so finding the road to say this is what the pinnacle looks like and continuing to work every day to revolutionize your mind, your body, your spirit, and your emotions will allow you to walk down that road where you see that version of yourself. So asking yourself, what does it look like? What does this best version look like to show up not only for yourself, revolutionaries, but for the people around you? We love you. We look forward to seeing you and spending time and space. And we are looking forward to being on TV coming up in 2022 with Brown Box TV. We're looking forward to that. More information as it comes out. The What's Your Revolution show moves to Brown Box TV in 2022. So we are definitely excited about that move and the opportunity to partner with some amazing folks. But as I think about food, right, and I'm getting even hungry, I think about there are many people around the world. There are many people around this country. There are many people even in my neighborhood right now, revolutionaries, who are experiencing food insecurity, right, who are uh, experiencing malnutrition, who are experiencing the lack of the opportunity to have the necessities of what they need to eat to nourish themselves. And so I met this brother a long time ago, and I said, you know what, I I, got to talk to this brother. I got to know what he's about, what he's doing, and how he's transforming and revolutionizing the world. So revolutionaries, please give a warm welcome to the What's a Revolution show, my dear friend, my dear brother, my dear brother, and Kellogg fellow, fellow alumni now, the president of BCA Global, Alex Askey. What's up, brother? How are you? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing, man? Um, I, I got to open up and say, I, I've always wanted to say this, but uh, this revolution will be televised. <laughs> <laughs> I love this that. This revolution will be televised. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it, will, it, will be, it will be televised. It, it, exactly. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, brother. And the revolutionaries, you are in for a treat <laughs> as you listen to this interview with this, with this dear brother. Alex, where are you and what are you doing in the world right now? Well, I'm in New York, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of um, virtual and as uh, doing work in different parts of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, again, really focus on food, race and social justice. Uh, this is this is a really interesting time. <clears throat> and when I say interesting, I don't want I don't, I don't want to. It's not in a good way. Interesting. It's it's uh, you know, we live in a very we live in some time, a time frame where things are going backwards and it's not your imagination, you know, um, you know, and, and you have, and, and things are, you know, you have to really kind of 
scratch your head and, and just be like, is this happening right now? Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I think my work is, is, is with BCA Global and um, working with chefs of color has been really, really uh, relevant and important of late, uh, especially as you look at the injustices in the food system, um, health included in terms of disparities for BIPOC communities of color um, without question. Uh, we, we are still under assault and um, we are still oppressed. And so we, we have to figure out what to do very quickly and form the collectives necessary to do so. Brother, I, I love hearing this and you know, I'm really couching it in context because you talk, you know, talk about a chef. I want my revolutionaries to know. Alex is a world-renowned chef. Uh, been on the uh, the Food Network with his culinary culinary arts and delight. Has has done so much around food justice around the world, not just here in the country. As I say that this is a, you know this Alex Askew is an international star, international chef, an international star. But think about what he just said, right? You know, even in the culinary arts, right, and how food justice comes out and food injustice plays into or is, you know, is a part of the racist experiences that some of us may experience on a daily basis. Think about this, right? And how just around the food that we eat, right, or the experiences or, or the ability to access food, right? Thinking about that, hmm. you know, and, and that's, I, I think that's the thing, because we, as we were talking earlier today, Alex, we were just talking about food and health and, you know, the, 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 I, I, I don't want to take your thunder away, but there was a comment you made about sickness and health and our thoughts around that. Because, like, what did you say? If you're not sick, you're... Right. I mean, in communities of color, um, throughout the whole BIPOC community, you know, we've been <clears throat> pretty much in survival mode, right? And so, you know, we confuse um, the definition of what health is because, you know, the... the common understanding is if you're not sick, you're healthy. Right. But in actuality, that just means you're not sick. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're healthy. Right. And so, you know, from a survival standpoint, that's critical, not being, sick, not being sick. But we've never had the space to really focus on what is the true meaning of well-being, mm. um, which is critical, not just with the body, <clears throat> but also with the mind, because we've been traumatized and demoralized and this lies and that lies and lied to for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. So, you know, that imprint, is, it makes us really predisposed in a lot of different conditions regarding our relationship with food, regarding our relationship with each other, you know, um, regarding our relationship with our bodies, you know, and, um, you know, we haven't been able to really be on firm footing to look at, the holistic health and well-being of our communities um, for a lot of different reasons. And I'm saying really that we also need to be um, very mindful that we should be compassionate towards ourselves and, and, and really not beat ourselves up because a lot of it's not our fault. We were handed these situations and we had to deal the best we could under the circumstances. Unfortunately, that's been imprinted in our DNA. So now breaking those cycles is really something that think tank kind of discussions and dialogue should be centric around, especially as it relates to um, the food system. 
access, hunger, food insecurity, food justice, et cetera. Now, Alex, I appreciate that. And, you know, for my revolutionaries, uh, thinking about let's just let's just break this down for one second. And, you know, so there's a really palatable understanding of this. What is food justice? So I think there's different definitions of what food justice um, is and isn't. Um, I, I think on the on the you know, on the um, on the baseline level, we're looking at access to food. Um, we're looking at uh, food literacy, which actually helps people make more informed choices about what they um, voluntarily put inside their body. That's that's eating. I mean, um, it sounds kind of graphic, but it is. <laughs> and, um, you know, where our food comes from, how does it get to where we are? Um, how are the people taking care of who actually grow the food, harvest the food, uh, raise the animals, slaughter the animals, process, pr- produce. So it's a, really a whole system out there. It's, it's um, when people start discussing it as a very narrow thing. Um, I always tell them to back up, you know, a few steps and look at the bigger picture, because it's 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 not a planet. It's a solar system. Um, what things work for people that is designed by the system. It's not by happenstance and how certain people are, um, you know, marginalized in that process. And that could be everything from, um, you know, uh, how they're marketed to, um, how they have, uh, you know, not access to affordable food, um, how they don't have access to the nutrition education needed to understand how this relates to that, how this food relates to, diabetes, hypertension, mm-hmm. and all these other systemic food, um, you know, uh, food di- disease-related uh, components. And so that, to me, is the 360 of food justice, is understanding everything in the solar system and why, you know, why it works for some and why it doesn't work for others, and then looking at it through a racial equity lens, mm-hmm. which is very strange uh, and graphic pair of, of glasses to put on because it's kind of like one of those those military goggles. You put it on and you're able to see things, see and you're every, like, "Oh my god, every, everything!" Yeah, oh my god, this right. is this is a lot worse. It's like breaking out a blue light in a in a motel. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Images of top five come into my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, exactly right. And then, and then, and then lastly, it's not the subject context that's uh, entirely the, 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 the notion of the definition, but it's also the call to action about what to do about the injustices there. So if we're just talking about a problem, and I think you know me well enough to know, I'm not a very process-driven person to talk about the problem and expect that it's, it's just going to get bored to death and go away. Um, you know, we have to really have some solid, with the understanding, call to actions to neutralize the injustices that exist. Because when you talk about justice, you're really talking about the injustice, you know, of things. And that is my, that's really the scope of how I see food justice. Right, I appreciate that. I, I, I really want, 
I really want my revolutionaries to see exactly what you're talking about because it, it, it's, it's so interesting to think because many of the people who are listening to this podcast are saying, Alex, well, I go out to the store every day. You know, I can go out, you know, look, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast in, in, in Kroger or Safeway or whatever store. I don't have any problems getting food. You know, what do you mean food injustice? Like break that down, like break that down. Like you said, place the blue light on food injustice in our country, particularly when it comes comes to black and brown folks and why it's so important for all of us to know about these injustices that are going on. Right. Well, I mean, let's just focus on the, the, uh, food education, literacy, nutrition, um, understanding component. Um, you know, a lot of people have access to food, but they don't understand, um, what they're buying, what the quality of what they're buying is. And they don't even, um, and, and not a lack of compassion, but just a lack of not seeing the people who are mostly invisible, you know, the folks that suffer from food insecurity, you know, one in eight college students, you know, actually suffer from food insecurity. What does that mean? What does that translate to? Well, you know, they steal food <laughs> because you can't learn to be hungry at the same time. Right. You know, um, there's also, um, you know, the fact of the matter that highly nutritious and, and, and branded products are unaffordable. I mean, if you, if you, you can go into a store at $20 and if you pick the most, you know, nutritious labeled branded and even known products, you'll probably walk out of there with two things, two things, two, two things. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And so you, <laughs> And, and so, you know, when you start talking about, but it's, it's, it's real, it's real talk here. You know, we start talking about budgets, feeding a family, you know what I mean? And making a choice, whether, you know, your children go to sleep hungry or, um, your children having a little bit of nutrition, you're going to pick, you know, your children not going to bed hungry every time. Now, now, what do you do about that? Right. But you let know me ask, what I mean? What are some, let me, what, let me ask this mm-hmm. one question. Let me ask this one question before you move there. Why is it that highly nutritious food and highly labeled food is so expensive? That 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 and to me seems to be barriers. That 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 right there is a barrier to health. It is, and you know uh, that's that's how the system is designed. Um, you know, and and that goes back to the have and have not equation. You know, I mean, you know, who who goes to you know who can afford to, to shop at a, a healthy food store, you know, or buy organic all the time or understands the difference of, you know, what good quality meat is and, and what, you know, um, meats with hormones are and how that affects the body. You know, it's, it's really, again, the, uh, the privilege and <clears throat> the haves versus the have nots and the oppressed, man. It, this, this is, this, this is really, you know, the systemic bottom of the barrel, right? of, of, um, you know, the accessibility of having no nutrition, no nutrition, no nutrition in, in, in the community. And, um, that's, that's the big problem. It, it, it just amazes me. Cause you know, as I, as I think about this, this vegan, vegan ish lifestyle that I have, um, you know, and, and you would think that eating a more plant-based diet would be less expensive. It's not. It's not at all. 
it's actually more expensive. It's easier for me to go get some chicken, some chicken, uh, some steak, some you know, some some things that we eat, some bacon, than it is for me to really put a plant-based meal together. And I'm like, what is this? Why is this? Why is this more expensive? Even though it, it's it's healthier, and it's and it, it, it's less carbon footprint on the world, is at least we think. Why is this costing more? And I, I it fa- you know, it, it I can't fathom the reasons most of the time when I'm when I'm paying almost two thirds the time for a plant based meal than I am for just a regular meal when I know that the carbon footprint that meat has on the world is much more expensive. Thinking about that, so it, 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 that's the interesting thing for me. But I also want to point out what one thing that you said, Alex, is that. If we think about what we're putting into our bodies, you know, and for those who experience food justice and food injustice, right, what am I doing? I need to feed my child, right, or give them nutrition because they're hungry. The easiest things, and we find, you know, the McDonald's, the Burger Kings, the Wendy's, the easy, the fast foods of the world provide easy nutrition, but they're the most horrible nutrition that we can find. Why, you know, it just brings me back to this, like, why aren't we having this opportunity to bring down the cost of nutritious food so we would have a healthier, a healthier community? I think about livable, livable wage jobs and livable communities. This, again, seems like a barrier to that because we are not having nutritious op- options that are low cost in, you know, neighborhoods that really need it. So it just, it just bothers me. It, it, it bewilders me why we haven't moved that way. But one thing that you're fighting with BCA would seem like this is this is a part of what you're trying to do. Well, so yeah, and and you bring up you know the the, the elephant giraffe or whatever jungle identity you want to you want to describe it as you know in the room is because now we're dealing with the larger system. You know, the larger system is based on you know capitalistic gain. It's based on. Um, really predatorial marketing. Um, it's, you know, the major consumer of, of any, I mean, you know, you look at, you look at, you know, Walmart sales versus target and you have to look at, you know, well, well, how, how, how are they so gigantic is because they, uh, you know, pivot and, um, really look at the people that have certain incomes. Right. And, um, you know, on the highest level of, of these big corporations that are not, you know, they don't really have any relevance or um, uh, uh, really care of relevance in terms of environmental social governance, ESG, which is coming down the pipe, by the way, which is another discussion um, topic. But, um, you know, their whole thing is making money. Their whole thing is profit over people. And so when you look at a a system like the food system, it's the case of it's, it's still the same, you know, I mean, Tyson has stock prices. All these food companies have stock prices that, you know, that they have to deliver on dividends. And at the end of the day, the cost um, is going to be shared with the people that, uh, you know, they bring in as a consumer, again, predatorial marketing, you know, why this is better for, you than this. Mm. It's all really, you know, it's, it's all really a marketing angle um, that's um, pretty horrible. And, you know, and then, you know, the, the whole vegan thing, 
is is is, is I think that's going to also go through another evolution, uh, Larry Cycle, because I mean, you know, it, it, would you eat lettuce if you knew it came from? you know, a farmer that was a child molester. I mean, mm. you know, how, how is that, how is that, you know, how is that, I mean, what are the ethics and morals around not just that food, but how it was prepared, grown, who did it? You know, you can have an organic farm basically by law next to a pig farm. I mean, you know, but no one talks about the fact that the, the water tables are shared. So, I mean, um, you know, and again, you're marketing organic, right? And so, you know, and then there's some regulatory stuff and some policy stuff. So that goes into also changing the system. So you're looking at a complete vertical. You look at how do you help out the oppressed and assist with the, you know, and, and, and help them better understand that we're still on the plantation. It's just the plantation is, it's changed, but we're still enslaved, you know? And, you know, how do we uh, reel in the bad actors? Um, you can't, you know, I'm, my understanding and my lifelong experience is you can't make bad people be good people, but you can force bad people to do good things. Mm. And so mm. I think, you know, there is, there is through public pressure, again, ESG, environmental social governance that's being implemented right now to Wall Street. Um, so basically, if you say one thing, you will get fined if you don't do it. Right. And I love that because I want to take that same kind of construct and bring it to the food system across all the boards. So we're talking workers' rights, where food is anywhere where food is processed, prepared, harvest, grown, all of that stuff. That's that's how we need to really move over and then have the space for um health opportunity and justice and accountability, which is the prerequisite to actually move our communities forward and and higher yeah that's the interesting thing because uh here's my soapbox for a second alex you know i i believe in so I'm, i'm gonna state this out loud right for people i believe in personal choice right i don't believe that i i don't believe that the government should be telling people what to do with their bodies Right. I, I don't believe that. Um, I, I have made a personal choice to get vaccinated. I have been advocating for vaccines. I have had friends die, uh, close friends die because of COVID. Um, I have two elderly family members who have underlying conditions who, as soon as the vaccines came out, I wanted to make sure that they both were vaccinated because they I care. Um but one of the arguments that I one of the arguments that I hear about this, uh, particularly about the vaccines, is that you know they haven't been tested. I really don't, I don't know what's in the vaccine. I want to make sure. But if we think about food, Alex, every day we put things in our mouths every day that we don't know. We don't ask questions about. Right? They are FDA approved, and we put them in our mouths and we go about our day. Right? And so it it, it just interest me when we make these arguments around, you know, well, I don't know what the ingredients are, but if we do the homework around the food that we put in, we might not eat the food that we eat based on what I just heard you say. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, part of this program is, is the mind feeding beloved community book. So I got to plug the book, you know, um, uh, loveisfood.org. And uh, it's a compilation of essays around food race and social justice. My essay was 
was uh, called Don't Treat Food Like Casual Sex. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, that. Um, although it's the third essay, it's, 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 it's often the first essay people read because like, they're like, you know, what is this coming from? But, um, you know, it, it really, I mean, food is, is pretty intimate. We voluntarily put it inside of our bodies. It doesn't get more intimate than that. Right. You it know, other it you know, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so, no. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, um, <laughs> I look, and, you know, as you say that, I'm like, there's some things that I'm scared to put in my mouth. I'm, I'm scared <laughs> or I'm not putting in my mouth. So. You, you know, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a matter of um, being mindful and also being balanced. You know, I mean, um, if people want to get a fast food snack here and there, you know, I say, hey, listen, everyone needs a treat once in a while. Just understand it's a treat. It's not, you know, serve. Like, like I always ask people, you know, to ask themselves, how is this serving me? You know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, and it's a really kind of crazy exercise because a lot of times, you know, and sometimes, in, in, in my case exactly, you know, I mean, you know, if I have a martini in my hand, you know, how is this serving me? Well, not well for, for the purposes of nutrition. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, but we have to, if you, you can actually, uh, calibrate your thought process. If you keep asking yourself, how is this serving me? How is this serving me? And not being, and suspend the judgment, you know, but, uh, but also being aware that if you're saying not well over and over again, then, you know, internally, you know, you need to recognize that you're, you know, you have a, a pattern that needs to be addressed. Mm. Revolutionaries, and, I want you. I want you to make sure you heard that, right, Alex? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, it's really, it's, it's, and again, the, the key part is, is really, you know, not being judgmental, because we're already traumatized as a people, mm. right? But the fact of the matter is, it's just hear yourself, um, you know, and 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 what you want to do is, is, and you you will automatically start calibrating to wanting to hear this, this serves, you know, this is serving me well, right. Instead of poorly. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I did that to really, you know, get off some COVID weight, you know, it's like, you know, (laughs) going to the gym and I could say, this is serving me well. I could almost scream it in the gym. It's serving me well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? Now the trick to that is, you know, um, you know, don't, don't go get a corned beef sandwich with extra Swiss cheese afterwards because, You'll go from this is serving well to well. not not well at all. Not well at all. It's, it's not <laughs> no. serving. No, and so you, you want to have you want to have some balance. I believe everyone needs to be you know um, to have celebratory food and drink, but understand that you know um, there there is uh, it, it goes back to how is it serving. And if you're not celebrating, if you're celebrating every day, that also might be a pattern that might need to be looked at. Because, <laughs> you know, I, and I'd also be interested in what are you celebrating? Right. <laughs> Why are you so happy and celebrating every day? Mm. I want to get on that train. Yes. You know, if it's yes. real. Al- Al- Alex is so interesting because I, th- I think that's the strategy, you know, that it's a, it's a small strategy, but it, I, I think it's a very poignant strategy for us to look at is that as, as we think about ourselves, right? Um, and, Think of our, ourselves in this food journey, right? And I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this because if we go back to the definition of what he's, food justice journey, how are we really thinking about being literate? How are we thinking about how how we eat and what we where we purchase? 
uh, is impacted or who's been impacted by that, mm-hmm. right? And I think mm-hmm. that, and thinking about that from a, a, a racial justice standpoint, I think is really because we, I don't think we think about this, but part of all of that question that you said, when putting something in your mouth and the intimacy, I, I, I love that, the intimacy of putting food into your mouth because literally it's the most intimate thing, you know, daily. <laughs> you know, there are other intimacies, right? But daily, mm-hmm. right, your, your, your relationship with food, but asking that simple question, brother, like, is this serving me well? Is this good for me, right? Because I know that that, that big bag of M&Ms that I got, that king-size bag of M&Ms that I got as a gift, right, it probably mm-hmm. didn't serve me well that I ate the whole bag in one sitting, right? You know, it didn't, it didn't serve exactly. me. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It, what it meant was, you know, I needed to spend a little bit more time on my Peloton, right? But... <laughs> You know, by setting by setting these goals, but there's a larger question. There's a larger answer to this question: Is this serving me well? And I think if I get on my soapbox again for a second, Alex, right? Is what I'm putting in my mouth not only serving me well, but is it serving my community well? Is it serving my family well? Is mm-hmm. it serving is it serving the things that I believe in or value in well? I don't. We don't think about that. I I know I haven't thought about that. Right. Like you said, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go get that Purdue chicken, right? If I'm eating chicken, I'm not thinking about, I'm not, I'm not thinking about the environmental factors that go into produce production of chicken. I'm not. But if I begin to think about that and put food in my body that has ethical practices, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? E- ethical practices, whether it's meat or whether it's plant based or whatever. I think that's what you're trying to get at. And I want to make sure my revolutionaries hear that is that how are we as a, as, as a collective of people, if we're so worried about what's in a vaccine, why can't we be just as worried about the most intimate relationship that we Ooh. have with food because of the impact wow. that it has on the community, it has on ourselves, our communities. And if we're thinking about food justice, the impact that it has on our planet because I'm also a green person myself. So thinking about all that, that's a lot of thought. And, and Alex, I know I'm going to get some pushback from my revolution. Like, I ain't got time to think about all that, Charles. I got time. I just want to eat. What do you say to them, Alex? What do you say to the people who are like, you know, you're asking me to ask a lot of questions before I put this little morsel into my mouth. What do you say back to them? Well, I mean, <laughs> would would it be the same process for sex? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you know, we, we've beaten around the bush a little bit, but would you be so casual about, you know, just, uh, you know, taking the last person in the club home? Um, I, I mean, listen, you know, wow. at the end of the wow. at the end, I mean, listen, let's, let's just keep it 100. Right. You know, by asking a question of where does this come from? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like being in college and not asking, you know, you know, someone you're dating, what is your sexual history? I mean, yeah. it's just common sense. But someone reminded me the other day that, you know, you ran about common sense, but do you realize that common sense isn't common? And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, Are you, yeah, you're right. They're like, no, you're speaking like everyone should notice, but, you know, you're speaking unusual sense. You know, and there is no common sense like you think there is. It, 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 you know, I mean, 40% of the food we, we throw out in America and look at the hunger. To me, that doesn't make common sense. Somebody obviously makes sense to the people in control of it because it still happens. So, you know, I think 
for us not to ask questions, you know what I mean, is um, quite frankly, you know, um, something that we should look at as an emotional intelligence builder. If I was getting my house construction done or work on my car, you know, I'd ask the mechanic, you know, well, where's this, you know, where's this piece coming? You know, what's the warranty on this piece? You ask questions. You go to a doctor for a procedure. What are the side effects of, uh, you know, the medication? You ask questions. So why wouldn't you do one of the most relevant things in our lives? Every day we do it besides sleep. It's going to happen unless we're, you know, we're starving. Would we not want to ask questions? Wow. And, you know, and that's why my son, you know, again, in the supermarket two months ago, five years old, was screaming like 35 grams of sugar. Daddy, they're trying to kill me. And I was surrounded by some of a group of adults like, we've never seen that before. It's like, how does he, how does he read? I said, how does he read sugar and 35? I said, that's, that's, that's anyone in kindergarten can do that. Mm. I said, but we have to explain what childhood diabetes is. We have to explain, you know, what, what the impact this has to brain fog and their learning process and, and them getting burnt out, not having energy to play and all these things that are relevant to them. And so this is not, yeah, I'm a chef and, you know, I want my son to kind of manage his, his own life. And he does, he, you know, like, ah, I think I have too many snacks this week. I'm going to hold out on it. You know what wow. I mean? You want to talk you about know? emotional intelligence, Alex. Wow. <laughs> right. Well, he's already intelligent. I gave him the tools to ask questions because he was reading this 35 grams of sugar. And the question he asked is, are they trying to kill me? Yeah. That was the question that a five-year-old raised in a supermarket that had the whole supermarket like uh, uproar. uproar. Yeah, just like you know, wow, this this black and brown kid is like you know already raising questions about how is this acceptable? That's, I mean, that how is this acceptable? How is this acceptable? And, you know, and thinking about this and. It's, the irony of you saying that. So the the, the thesis that we're gonna we're gonna build on here is that does this serve me well? And ironically, your son your your son is just as we build on this thesis of does this serve me well has really opened my eyes to. I have a good friend, and we had this conversation. You know, and every time we're somewhere, every time we're out to dinner. You know, he's like, can I get a Coke Zero? Can I get a co- basically a uh, Coke Zero or Coca-Cola Sin Azucar, you know, if we're, in a, if we're in a Latin country, right? And this is my boy, love him to death. And uh, one day, we, one day in, in our travel, um, he opened, he, you know, uh, he opened the bottle. And, you know, you get that, you know, open that can. It's like, you know, you hear mm-hmm. that. And he said, ah, the sound of success. And I said, ah, the sound of dementia <laughs> and, and, and thinking about the deleterious impact of sugar on our body. And I know, I, I know my body so well, Alex, now that I know if I eat sugar, what it's going to do is it's, it's going to spike my blood sugar levels. And then I'm going to crash. I'm going to crash and burn. Right. So uh, if I eat one Krispy Kreme donut, I know within an hour I'm going to be asleep. If I eat that whole bag of M and M's, I'm done for the day. 
um, it's that understanding, it's that food, right, around our thesis of does this serve me well? And if we go all the way back to this, uh, again, this food justice, this food literacy and how it impacts us individually, we're not taught that, right, early on. Like your son is saying 35 grams of sugar. And I know, revolutionaries, you have seen, you know, those images of a Coke and how many sugar cubes are in one bottle of Coke. And there's like 60 sugar cubes. And that that's amazing. But because of what Alex is saying is that the marketing, the deceptive marketing, even though it says seen azucar without sugar, there is sugar in that soda, right? They're not selling you a sugarless soda. They're selling you. The, they're selling you the thought that there's no actual sugar. Well, there's sucralose in that. Sucralose is a sugar alcohol. It's sugar, folks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I I love that. So I'm gonna bring continue our thesis is now. What are the strategies that, that we need, Alex? You're the chef. You're the international chef. You cook, right? You're making meals healthy. What do we need to know and do? to say on a regular basis, this food is serving me well. Right. So <clears throat> I think there's two things. Um, one is, you know, you know, how is, you know, is, is this serving me? Or how is this, how is this serving me? And I think a part two or part, or part B to that is, um, is there, is there a better option of, of serving me better? So for example, um, if I, I don't usually do fast food restaurants, but I love impossible burgers. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go to Burger King. I mean, literally I'll throw out the bun because I know that's just like poison. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll get two impossible burgers and, you know, extra lettuce and, you know, I'll, I'll have my little vegan thing there, but understanding that, you know, in each bun, there's like, you know, nine tablespoons of sugar. You know what I mean? And forget anything like white sugar, white flour. It's all been altered to be the lowest nutritional value. It's, it's not good stuff. It's a, it's a gateway food to bad health. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the, the original, um, uh, answer to, to the question you posed is, you know, everyone has access to Google, right? And so, I mean, we hope, know, we hope, just, Alex, we hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, listen, I just got the phone with people in the, in the Virgin islands and, you know, uh, yeah, technology. Yeah. It's definitely behind, but you know, everyone has Facebook on their phone, you know, everybody, <laughs> you know, I mean, even in Africa, I mean, you know, let's deal with what we, you know, have to, yeah, is it 5g internet? No, maybe not. But the fact of the matter is we have access to learning and uh, so Google, you know, what is a good alternative to white sugar? Boom. You know what I mean? And Mm. we're talking about not being forensic, you know, um, we're talking about five minutes of, of, of reading, which, you know, I think reading is a fundamental. Okay. And being able to just learn at your own pace, you know what I mean? And some of these questions need answers. And, and to be honest with you, Google is a really great way of, of spidering the, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the web, and getting you those answers so that you can start building your own little diary, you know, tips and tricks and tips and tricks of how I can alter my diet so I can lose, you know, that extra 10 pounds or 20 pounds or, you know, how I can gain more energy or, you know, in different spectrums of, you know, whether in your twenties, your thirties, your forties, 
now I'm in my fifties. I mean, yeah, it's all relative. Yeah. Tell you the know, truth my, on that. <laughs> my, my, su- my supplement herb cabinet has been like, it's taken over the China cabinet. My wife has given <laughs> up. And cause you know, I'm, I'm doing all kinds of, you know, seaweed extracts and all kinds of things. But, um, you know, to, but to understand that your body, you know, uh, your body needs extra support. And right. I understand people say, I want to get all my nutrition from food. And I say, good luck, you know, and that's cool. But you also need like, listen, there's not one athlete that doesn't take supplements. And there's a reason because if you're talking about performance and that's what life is about mm. performance and productivity, that's why bad health is so bad is because you can't work. <laughs> you can't, can't be productive. You can't be, uh, you know, there's no social economics or social mobility when you're sick. That's why it's bad. You know, it's also bad for your family and, and other, um, you know, uh, different components of, uh, you know, of, of, you know, living and lifestyle and community living. But, um, you know, that, that's really at the, the center core is really being able to learn why it's bad. Why it's just what Google, why is white sugar bad? I guarantee you, you will have a coming to Jesus. Moment. <laughs> I mean, you, if, you don't need, you don't need chef Alex to ask you to tell you that go, go <laughs> on your phone, go in the bathroom or you're waiting in line and say, yeah, Google, why is white sugar bad for you? You know? And I mean, these are the things that I think we have access to information. We did not have access to 50 years yes, ago. Yes. So there's really on this there's limited excuse of why, I mean, unless you're, you know, you're not literate, but even but there's, there's, there's videos. So, I mean, it's like really limited excuses why you don't, you know, you, you don't try to bring yourself around the curve. It's not for you, for your family. And um, I, I think that that's a really great start and also bring this conversation to the family table. You know what I mean? It's not by coincidence that, you know, auntie, ABC and uncle XYZ all had diabetes. Right. And if that's the case, that doesn't have to be a death sentence. Actually, it's proven that it can be reversed. But the fact of the matter is you come, better come to grips with the fact that you may be pre, you know, exposed to, to that kind of uh, condition right. or, or hypertension or mm-hmm. the likes. And if you don't come to grips with that, you can't really do anything about it because if you don't, you know, um, one of my friends that's in the, in the philanthropic world, he used to be a pastor. Um, we had this conversation about racism and he said, you know, you know, we usually can't address it because, um, we don't call it by its name. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, well, <laughs> this is where it got a little weird. He's like, well, when you perform an exorcism, you have to call the demon by its name. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> and, <he's, laughs> and I said, hold on, let me sit with that for a second. He's like, if you can't, if you can't name it, you can't, you can't call it as a problem. You can't do anything about it. Mm. So you have to call the demon by its name. You have to, to be able to exercise. Man, you were from dropping the bombs, bombs, and, Well, that one stuck with me for, I mean, man, that was, you gotta I was call just like, the demon man, by its name. you got to call the demon by its name. So, I mean, you could really make that relevant to everything critical in life. 
You know, you ain't and lying. <laughs> you ain't, you ain't, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and um, you know, no matter what religion you're from or what faith background you're from, you have to call it by its name. Right. So you can't just say, you know, and you know, injustice. Well, what does injustice mean? You know what I mean? And what does this mean? What does that mean? You got to really call specifically. We're dealing with. You know, we're dealing with systemic racism caused by institutional, uh, institutionalized frameworks over hundreds and hundreds of years that have oppressed groups of people that have been marginalized. Period. Let's we don't got to get all hashed up in critical race. This is this is what it is. It's it's data. It's facts. And um, I don't think we should start even getting into the woods about it being debatable. And the same about food. The same about food. I mean, you know, I think it's 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 really um, <clears throat> an injustice by these large corporations that don't treat their workers well, whether, you know, they're um, producing or processing food. You know, these outbreaks that happen, that there's recalls, you know, you got to you got to really take a look at it and say, why is this? You know, the same machinery, same people. I believe someone was disgruntled. I, I believe somebody really, you know, didn't care that much that day that some equipment wasn't sanitized and there was an E. coli outbreak. That's what I believe because it doesn't it doesn't stack up to make anything else of sense. So um, I think it's all relative. When we talk about health, we want to get there. That's that's the that's the top of the mountain. But we also have to deal with the fact of being anti sick, <laughs> and you know, um, uh, anti pro health. And pro health, um, you know, pro literacy. You know what I'm saying. Um, my son is is going to be working with the American Heart Association next year on mindful eating for the beloved children, as a as a youth movement to understand what can empower a six year old. And so, you know, this whole this whole. Uh, Thesis. I like that, brother, because we can keep this conversation Man, going. And we, can <laughs> I know. we gotta wind down in a second, but yeah, this whole thesis is yeah, we we have built look, we have built a thesis around this food justice and, and, and what serves us well. Right. And if I had to um, you know, really categorize, you know, I, I'd like to use words that are, you know, less but more powerful. I would say empowerment and I would also say dignity. And those are two of the things that are were stripped away from us as a people. Yeah, to be controlled. And if you look at the historical nature of that, what the the lineage of food, right? You know, I, I'm thinking the lineage of food from slavery on up. How food injustice, right? Like you said, food injustice has happened throughout history when it comes to mm. black and brown folks. <clears throat> And what we've thought, you know, how we have created what will, if you're seeing me, these culinary delights out of the lineage of our history. There's no wonder why diabetes and, 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 and heart disease are the one and two killers of black and brown folks within, uh, 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 in, at least in the United States. But then switching that and saying, you know what, those ham hocks and, those, you know, uh, all the pork and, you know, the red meat and uh, all the things have not been serving us well. 
but they also they often are the cheapest things that we find on the market to feed. So creating those culinary things that we look forward to at Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter and family reunions and summer picnics, picnics and uh, all those things. What if revolutionaries we change the narrative around these things? What if that? What would that look like for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner not to be mm-hmm. the tradition, right? To create a new opportunity for to create health at these at these markers of family and time of con- congregation together. What would that? What would that look like, Alex? Mm-hmm. Look, as as we close what? out, I, I do want to ask the chef this one question before mm-hmm. I ask you our signature question, right? I've got two elderly parents, right? Who who have been, you know, my father will be ninety three, God willing, uh, in God February. Bless. My my mother just turned eighty one a couple of weeks ago, but they have been eating the same way for the, you know, for their life. My mother has you know, debilitating arthritis. My father has vascular dementia and Alzheimer's. What can I do? Like, how do I? How do you know? Because there are a lot of us who are dealing with these taking care of elderly parents now who eat a certain way. How do I shift this dynamic with them, Alex, to say, right. if we shift your diet, we might shift this outcome of the way you're experiencing the world right now. Right. So, <laughs> um, in speaking to my, my African friend, they, they constantly remind me that um, um, the only way to eat an elephant is, is one bite at a time. Right. <laughs> And um, I, I use that as an as as um, you know an analogy that you know my father um, you know, he passed away the same week my son was born, mm. which is another story for another time. But um, you know um, he was raised in in rural North Carolina, I mean pig capital of the world, right? And you know it it um, it took it took time, it took encouragement, it took some convincing, but just to move from a ham hock to a smoked turkey for the calories. <laughs> <laughs> and it went from, you know, that ain't going to taste good to like, it's not bad to like, yeah, this tastes good. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to be able to understand that um, a lot of these foods culturally were the foods that were thrown out. Uh-huh, right. Exactly. That, you know, we had, we didn't have a choice, you know, like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, um, let's go find some chitlins. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, we hungry. We got these, we got these chitlins. We got these hog intestines. We got these, yeah, you know, we got these pig feet, you know, and this feet and that tail and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, a lot of it was inherited. So what, what we need to realize as a people is that, you know, um, you know, uh, we weren't, we're, we're not working the fields anymore, burning 10,000 calories. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, you know, that wasn't my, my grandfather lived in, to, in his nineties and, you know, but I mean, he, wa- I mean, he burned 10,000 calories a day. We've got computers. We're sitting So we need to kind of evolve with our cultural situation and keep that in mind and, and then try to substitute culturally appropriate, you know, where, where possible so that we can start to break some of these mini cycles. Yeah. Yeah, it, but, it, Alex, but it's one it's one step at a time. One step at a time. It it, it is hard. And you look. My father's nickname is Candy. <laughs> 
my and every day my father, you know, hey, can I get some something sweet? Like he's like, I want something. I want something sweet every day. That was my name, like Candy Corporal. That was my father father's nickname because he always had a piece of candy. Everywhere they wow. look from when he was a child. I mean, that was what he was known for. You could ask my dad and he loved these. He loved peppermint patties and this green mint. Always had mm-hmm. a piece of hard candy in his pocket. Always. That was mm-hmm. my father's thing. And to this day, and you know, his favorite thing now, Alex, is can I get some ice cream? And he's look, and mm-hmm. he's lactose intolerant, man. Oh, I'm like, no, dad, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't get no, you can't get no ice cream today, buddy. <laughs> so I know. For right. things good, but you but, know, but th- there are some, I mean, there's some really great um, almond milk ice cream. I mean, yes. there's, there's a, you know, to try out different things is not you just giving someone say, you know, try it. You're going to like it. That's not going to work. Like, you know, let's eat this together and tell me why you like it or you don't like it. Yeah. And look, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. The other day I, we were celebrating my mom's birthday and I bought a, a vegan sandwich for myself. Uh, and then, so I, then I switched it with my dad and I was like, dad, how you like this sandwich? Oh man, this is so good. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I never, to- I never told him it was vegan. No, you don't. You don't no. tell people. No, no. Yeah. I call, I call that surreptitious sneaking health into the community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to, t- you don't have to tell people how healthy it is. You can, if it makes, if it tastes good, it makes you feel good. That's just, that is a checking of the box. There it is. There it is. Alex Askew, my friend. Kellogg fellow alumni had a wonderful time with the Kellogg Foundation, WKK Kellogg Foundation, with their wonderful work around uh, the Community Leaders uh, Network Fellowship that I was in. Alex and I were both a part of this. Alex is the president of the BCA Global Black Culinary Alliance. Their mission really is around food justice, making sure that food justice, racial justice, making sure that we know how to fight racism when it comes to food. Food Network star, international culinary chef. This man has done it all. But let me ask him our signature question, revolutionaries. Alex, what's your revolution? This this term that I'm that I don't think I brought up: radical responsiveness. Radical responsiveness, which I stole from someone, but I told them I was stealing it from them, and I fell in love with it very quickly. And what does that mean? We live in a time. We live in the time that you have to choose without any question what side you're going to be on, whether you're going to be radically responsive to holding the line in some cases or changing the system that's unjust for, if not ourselves, for our children, our nieces and nephews. Radical responsiveness is how people react in an emergency room, fire men, you know, putting out fires, any, any kind of level of urgency and which we are in the time of urgency in my life experience of things going backwards. But it also takes analyzing a situation, collecting data and, and processing it very quickly. You know, a fireman will, will, before he gets out the truck and understand where, what part of the house is burning, you know, how hot the flames are, how they're going to, how they're going to get the hoses there before they get out of the truck. So we need to have this heightened sense of radical responsiveness. If for not us, for our children, for the young people, for our children, as they say in the South, right? <laughs> um, and, and I think it's really important that we think about how each one of us is taking on with responsibility and accountability an act of radical responsiveness. 
And one more thing I just want to say, because I love the accolades of, of the 35-year-plus um, career in, in both professional uh, culinary and, and uh, food, race, and social justice. But, um, you know, I was one of the first people, black chefs on the Food Network, and um, I chose not to be a celebrity chef mm. with the books and the food te- television. I, I, I chose to be a celebrated chef to bring that work into the community um, and have call to action. And um, all I asked my other BIPOC, black and brown culinary professionals to do is, you know, to think about, you know, what their role of accountability is, understanding we are trained to feed people. There are people that are trained to produce the food. There are people that are, you know, um, working on the science level of being able to source where nutrition comes from within food and we all need to come together. And I think if we're all, you know, a celebrated person in our own distinguished areas, we can have a celebrated community. Right. Make sense. It makes sense. It makes radical responsiveness is his revolution. Alex. Radical. Yeah. Alex, I, I, I'm, (laughs) I don't even know what to say, but thank you. This has been an eye opening opportunity to talk about something that we don't talk about on the show we don't talk about a lot food justice food insecurity how do we take care of ourselves our communities our families how are we asking ourselves does this serve me does it serve my community does it serve the does it serve the planet right the thing that I take away from this conversation today, Alex, is that food, you know, our relationship with food needs to be the similar as to our relationship with sex. What kind of questions are we asking before we put something in our mouth? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that, I mean, we're keeping it real, right? Keeping I mean, it real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the revolutionaries, the revolutionaries, the same question that you ask in your bay before you right, <laughs> right? Ask that same question before you put that food in your mouth. I want to wish you all happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, here at Western Revolution, we care about your well-being and your how you moving around, moving out in the world. We love you, and we are here with you. We're anxious to hear about your revolutions and how you've been progressing, and how what success and what are your challenges have been. Make sure you reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All what's your revolution, Alex? How can folks find you? Yeah, so um, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, you know, Alex at bcaglobal.org. Our organization website is bcaglobal.org. Um, the Mindful Eating Beloved Community book can be found at loveisfood.org. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm pretty much accessible to all, you know, social media platforms. Um, we are launching a true transparency and reconciliation platform. Um, very, very soon with our uh, partner organization, the Alliance of Leadership Fellows. And so, um, you know, just looking forward to, to making this movement as powerful as possible. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Make sure, revolutionaries, that you're checking out this work. Uh, what was the name of the article that, that you wrote? Please tell. Please tell people the name of the article. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, in the book, it's, it's I think essay number three. You know, um, oops, don't 
don't don't treat food like casual sex. <laughs> exactly. Make sure you check. Make sure you check it out. Revolutionaries, have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy your families, and if you're hearing this after Thanksgiving, make sure that you are taking time to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's a revolution? What's a revolution? We'll talk to you soon, folks. Peace. What's a revolution? revolution, revolution.